it kind of chokes me up every time I think about it because I usually don't go a day that somebody's, you've changed my life. And I'm like, whoa. And they're like, no, I've been doing your stuff for two months or a month and I can do this now. And it's, and that is the most gratifying thing in the world to know that what you're doing is making a difference. Welcome to the Second Act Fit Pros podcast, the show where I highlight the vibrant and active lives of health and fitness professionals in their second act. I'm your host, Erin, a functional aging specialist, and I'm here to introduce you to a diverse range of professionals dedicated to empowering individuals to live well, thrive, and embrace their second act through movement and improved health. Join me as we explore the endless possibilities and opportunities in the health and fitness field. I'm talking with Jim Brown, a founder of A Balanced You. Jim's story is one of resilience and transformation. After facing a layoff, he discovered that he had heart disease and cancer. Hear how he changed his diet and how a push-up challenge led him into the world of health and fitness, becoming a certified primal health coach and personal trainer. You'll hear how a single TikTok post prompted by his daughter catapulted Jim into the digital spotlight, garnering over 38,000 views overnight. This led him to create an Instagram and TikTok account dedicated to showcasing diverse movement patterns, breaking stereotypes about what older individuals can achieve. Jim shares the impact of his social media presence on people's lives and how he's encouraging others to embrace daily manageable movements rooted in balance and ancestral movement patterns. It's a story of strength, empowerment, and the incredible influence of one person making a difference. Here's my conversation with Jim Brown. I started off in corporate sales forever. And I got laid off and I, about the same time, found out I had heart disease and I was like, what the hell? Cause the, I had worked for a communications company for a long time and then they got bought and the new people that came in weren't convinced that I was anything special. And so I got laid off and then it turns out all the stuff I'd been doing that just was taking some time to come to fruition. It ended up probably being a blessing to me because had I stayed there doing what I was doing, I would have been one of those people literally that died at my desk. Cause I would I mean, I would be in the office sometimes 16 hours and not eating well, nothing. The only like exercise was real bits and starts, but there was nothing that was like healthy about what I was doing. And so get, get laid off was probably something that saved my life. And I mean, that, that sounds dramatic at the time. It certainly didn't feel like a blessing, but it's, it it turned out to be that way. Okay. Interesting. So let's just jump right into our conversation. So you got laid off and then what happened? So I had an appointment at the doc and they were like, okay, I want to get you on a statin. And I was like, no, I don't want to get on a statin. He says, okay, that's cool. So go get a heart scan instead. So I'm like, cool. Cause I was absolutely convinced my heart scan was going to be going to make people like rejoice and go, we were going to do, we want to put all of our patients on whatever you're doing. Cause yours looks amazing. Instead, I found out I had five coronary lesions, which are like little hand grenades all around your heart. And I was like, whoa, okay. And I, because I had done the whole steel cut oats. Coos, coos. My kids were like, what kind of weird shit are you going to 
make a seat now, dad? Cause it was always kind of the granola sort of approach to stuff. And my oldest daughter was doing, uh, CrossFit and she was like, have you ever heard of paleo? I'm like, ah, you know, it's, this is some fad diet. Like I've been doing, right. I thought that the whole American heart association blessing on my previous diet was support enough. So I ended up buying Rob Wolf's the paleo solution. Cause I was like, you know what, what I've been doing hasn't worked. So let me just see what this is all about that they're talking about. And I've got a biology degree from you, from university of Texas. So when I started look, when I started reading it, it's whoa, it was just this, it kind of gave me this whole idea of we're evolved to survive all the scarcity and the trials and tribulations that we endured on a daily basis 400,000 years ago. And the cruelty of all that is that we're, we are in the almost like polar opposite environment now, right? It's like, we don't have food scarcity, something that we rarely ever saw back then was like things that were sweet because I mean, it's like, if you look at the way that like the bears eat all the berries and the salmon and everything to get ready to hibernate, that was kind of what we were geared for. It's like, how do you survive winter? And what I realized was my diet was like just the worst thing in the world that could happen to me because everything I was eating was turning into sugar. So it just was one of these kind of wake ups going, okay, how many other things have I gotten wrong? So you got turned on to paleo and how did that evolve? I was just, I started eating different mm -hmm. and about, oh, I, it wasn't very long after that. I found out that I had uh, stage three prostate cancer. So it's, that was the whole, that was six months of going through all that stuff and I have always exercised. I'm one of those people that gyms love because I'll join and then I'll go for a little while. And then I don't, then it's like months and I don't go. And my wife and I got to where, I don't even know when it was. We just started walking a lot because it's meant my knees were killing me. I, I found out that I had like scoliosis, arthritis, all this stuff that I just assume, well, that's what getting old does, right? And I started exercising eh, a little bit more. And then right as COVID started, my son was like, Hey, let's do a push-up challenge. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> let's do a thousand push-ups in a week. And my left shoulder is almost completely bone on bone. In fact, I'm going to go get a cortisone injection tomorrow. I'm just trying to stave off get, getting it replaced. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't do a thousand push-ups, but what I realized was I could do 10 push-ups and then I could do a few minutes later, I could do 10 more. And I kind of surprised myself at the end of the week, I'd done 1100 push-ups and it was like, I kind of liked how that felt. And so I just started doing one, did the, um, Sisson's primal health coach, uh, certification. And then since then I've done the, uh, NASM personal trainer stuff. So yeah, those kind of got accumulated over time, but I was like, 
okay, I kind of like this little brief pieces of exercise. So I started like doing some squats and some wall sits and some planks. And it was like, and it kind of appealed to my ADD approach to exercise, right? It's like the idea of a 20 minute workout. Uh, I would always convince myself I didn't have enough time doing 30 seconds here, 30, a minute there, two minutes there. All of a sudden at the end of the day, it had added up to something. And my daughter was like, I had done some chin-ups and it was on, I, my daughter was looking at stuff on my, in my photos and she's, you need a TikTok account. <laughs> and I'm like, man, the last thing the world needs is some old fart doing chin-ups, right? <laughs> she's, no, I'm going to put this up. So she makes me an account. I'm sitting there with her. She puts it up. And it's like the next day, like 5,000 people had seen it. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, I tell, I didn't know what to compare it to. Right. Yeah. So she was like, so she was down from the DC. This was two years ago over, over Thanksgiving. So she was going to head back the next day. So she was like, dad, you need to know how to do this. So we're going to do a video together. I'll shoot it. You're going to watch me put it up. So you know how to do this. So it was me getting up off the ground from a cross-legged, a cross-legged get up. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I did it. And then I, it was showed a picture of, um, Kelly Sturette's the supple leopard. And then I did like a, kind of an ass to grass squat, mm -hmm. I, I, which was remarkable compared when you think about how bad my knees used to be, but I didn't really think it was that big a deal. Well, like the next morning, 38,000 people had seen it. Oh, and then it just kept growing and it, but it wasn't, that wasn't what got me. And it chokes me up every time I think about it. The responses that I got from people were what overwhelmed me because so many people were like, I can't do that. If I, if I get on the ground, I can't get up. Would you please post more stuff? Mm. And so, because, you know, when you, when you're in your fifties or at that time, I was probably early sixties as a coach, you're like, who am I even going to coach? It's all around. You've got to find your niche and all this stuff. And none of that had ever really clicked with me. I'd helped a few people, but all of a sudden I realized that there were a lot of folks that what I was taking for granted was something that they couldn't even imagine in their kind of wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. That was what I was like, okay, just keep doing this stuff. So it literally, from that point, every day I've posted at least one video. Wow. Wow. And what started off on TikTok kind of has spread now to threads and Instagram, uh, Twitter and everything else. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a story, Jim. Okay. I have so many questions for you. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I've rambled on now. I'll sit and shut up for a <laughs> second and listen. No, that's great. Um, so the movements that you were doing for TikTok, yeah. your, your daughter coaching you on what to do, or how were you deciding on what you were going to show? One of the things that Sisson did in, in, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with Mark Sisson and his problem health coaching. No. Okay. So part of what he, a lot of these, all of this, like Rob Wolf and Sisson and the whole kind of ancestral health movement is. But it, it kind of going back to that evolutionary thing, it's where we optimize for. 
evolution happens because something is like threatening your survival, right? Mm -hmm. And it just happens to be some characteristic that before never really counted for anything, but now all of a sudden it infers like a survivability to you, right? We had to be able to just kind of move in basic ways. We had to be able to pull ourselves up. We had to be able to push stuff away. So when I started thinking about movements, it was some of these kind of basic primal movement stuff, things that he talked about. Just, all right, if you're on the ground, how do you get yourself up? And that I think what's funny is a lot of the things that get headlines are just something that's kind of easy to measure. Like the whole, your longevity is determined by your grip strength or by your, it's no, those are easy things to measure. And it's probably some decent, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a proxy for like straight to weight ratio, that kind of thing. So it's like. The cross-legged get-up was one that I'd seen people do. It's, okay, can I do this? And when I would started trying to do it in the beginning, it's like I couldn't. And I just kept working at it, and all of a sudden I could. And then the squat piece of it, that is something that I kind of accidentally stumbled into that all of a sudden just changed my relationship with my knees. Because I literally went into the orthopedic surgeon to go, all right, what do we need to do to get me a new knee? Because I've got like the, I was in a car accident a long, long time ago and my knees went into the dashboard of the car and it like knocked a chunk of cartilage loose. And I've had bone on that medial condyle for a long time and it's gotten arthritic. And so some of the walks that I'd be on, it's like I'd get eighth of a mile from the house. I'm like, man, I can't keep walking. But I noticed that as I started getting my legs stronger and started doing some squats and stuff that were like opening up my hips and helping my ankle mobility improve, all of a sudden my knee quit hurting so much, which is, I wish I, I'm still trying to get my shoulder to get that memo and go, okay, <laughs> you, you too can do this. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's like, those were the sort of like kind of easy exercises that didn't take equipment. And I was just like, all right, I want to do something that's a push, some kind of pull, right? Another, some kind of overhead and just start working on kind of total body things and then kind of go from there. But I think those are some basics that if you can, at least so many people are like, where do I even start? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, can you get up and down out of a chair? All right, we can start there. You can do chair squats or you can hang on to the sink and do a squat. What do you, yeah. So what do you look for when you're trying to decide what you're going to post? Yeah. So my thing is more is like body weight straight. Some, I'll do some kettlebell stuff. I'll do some band things. I just kind of go through like sort of a, what is it that people are asking about? Cause I'll get a room, somebody go, Hey, would you post this? So I'll try to like factor those in over time. I've tried to like have a kind of a steady sprinkling of, um, Ben Patrick's knees over toes stuff. Mm -hmm. I just try to look at what can make the most difference with quality of life. And especially as you get older balance, I think is the thing that scares people the most, right? Because if they fall down. They can't get back up. And also, I mean, what is it? I think it's like 
over 65 falls or greatest likelihood of accidental death. So I, and I was at the physical therapist, I don't know how many years ago it was. And literally the guys, dude, your balance just sucks. Cause I couldn't stand on one leg for longer than 10 seconds. Maybe that was just a bad balance today for me or not. I don't know, but I just, he was like, you got to start working on this. Now I can do it for typically over a minute, but it just, it was just like, if I'm in, I cook a lot. Like I started this whole thing before I started to exercise, I started cooking because that was sort of the thing that made the first impact on my health. And it was just, okay, cook real food. I was like paleo, but really all paleo is just eat real food, right? I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's like, this is the stuff that your great, great grandparents ate. So, yeah. so if I'm in the kitchen, I'm standing on one foot, I'm balancing here. I'm, and it's, that just was something that to me is kind of a, it's an approachable way into exercise for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can only start with diet or something else. And then it evolves into fitness movement or maybe vice versa, but it can be, have this evolution effect of adopting new habits, health habits. Um, so that's interesting that you're looking at kind of that ancestral movement patterns, things like that, incorporating a lot of balance. What kind of response have you gotten? I mean, you mentioned one response that you got, but what's been the overall response from your? It's been, like I said, it kind of chokes me up every time I think about it, because I usually don't go a day that somebody's you've changed my life. And I'm like, whoa. And they're like, no. I've been doing your stuff for two months or a month and I can do this now. And it's, and that is the most gratifying thing in the world to know that what you're doing is making a difference. And it's not just that it's not, okay. You help somebody, you know, save money on their car payment. It's like you're the thought of you're changing the way that a person sees himself oriented in the world. That is humbling. And the thing about it is that it's such a, it just takes a little bit, right? My coaching, I call my coaching program doable. And I've got a newsletter that it's like the name of it's a friendly nudge, because that's kind of my approach to this. It's like, we all just need somebody to encourage us a little bit so that we can discover, Hey, I can do that. Right. Because Culturally, we're, we try to tell people that they're so fragile, right? They go to the doctor. Don't like, I'll never forget going to the orthopedic and the guy says, yeah, you shouldn't do lunges and you shouldn't do squats. And that's kind of based on some outdated interpretation of some studies, the whole knees over toes piece. Hey, what are you supposed to do? Scoot down the stairs on your butt? Because if you walk down the stairs, your knees are going to be over your toes. But we, people take that stuff to heart because it's the easiest thing for a doctor to do. And I'm not trying to slam the docs. What we go to the doctors wanting an easy answer, right? Mm-hmm. We want the pill. If they tell us, no, you have to do all this work. Most people are like, no, I'll just go to a different doctor, right? But I think people have gotten this message that they're fragile and that they're going to break. And it's no, I don't want to take somebody that has just been sitting on the couch and have them try to do some kind of crazy kettlebell swings before they're even able to do 
a chair squat, but it's like we can build capacity, then change how we feel. And the thing that I like is that what's doable today changes what feels like an impossibility today is kind of a matter of fact thing, maybe six months from now, because mm -hmm. you've built your body's capacity. Mm -hmm. And then as you get stronger, it's, oh, okay, well then, yeah, I do feel like doing this next thing that's a little more advanced. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I, that's what I love about your account. What I've seen is that it, you're making it accessible, doable, but you're also showing movement patterns that people don't always see. Like a lot of times we kind of get stuck in these extension. I always say like people live in the sagittal plane and they don't get out of it and they don't see people of all ages doing different movements. So I think like when you're, you're showing that, it's opening people's minds to the possibilities of what they could be doing. Because sometimes people limit themselves in what they think they can and can't do. And it's because they just haven't tried it. And so I think it's helpful, it's helpful when people can see themselves in somebody else and, and gives them an idea, well, maybe I can do that too. I think it, it's more encouraging than if they saw you know, a teenager doing these. I have heard repeatedly that the last thing that the social media needs is another person with 6% body fat telling 60-year-olds what they need to do. I'll never forget this guy. I've never heard the phrase before. He goes, ever, he goes, I'm so tired of seeing people that are fitter than a butcher's dog telling me, and he goes, it's, it's so reassuring to see somebody that looks like me and it's that, I think, is a big piece of it. And especially, I mean, hell, most of them don't even know. It's, yeah, scoliosis, this and that. So it's, yes, if this rusty old fart can do it, you can too. And it's like, you start to see yourself differently. And I think that's where the magic happens, is that all of a sudden it's like, okay, now somebody cares a little bit more about what they're eating they, it may just be, okay, today you can walk to the mailbox and back, but it's like my daughter started exercising and all of a sudden it was like, she started changing how she was eating. Then she started changing exercise. Now she's hooked on it, but it was sort of that, okay, it created this momentum towards, wait a minute. I love how this feels. I want more of it. Yes. And that's, I think, the thing that's so exciting about this is this, yeah, once somebody goes from everything on me hurts to, okay, yeah, I've got more energy. Yeah, I still have aches and pains, but it's manageable. And I don't want to lose that feeling. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I, I love seeing I love people like yourself that are using social media as a way to show people what's possible in all stages of life with movement patterns, with lifting weights, whatever it may be, because I just don't think we see enough of that in mass media. Don't see enough of it. And I feel like um, a mature adult population is vastly underrepresented. Well, and also there's no money in it, right? I mean, you think about in a gym, they're going to put everybody in a fitness, it's going to be in a group setting and you're going to do like, most of them are, it's whatever kind of class it is. And once again, to me, that excludes a lot of people because getting yourself to the gym is a, this whole negotiation with yourself over, do I have enough time? Am I going to be judged? 
right? I mean, all of that. And it's, if you can start to have somebody realize, hey, I can get stuff done just here at the house. Now, all of a sudden, they start feeling better. Maybe they want to go to the gym. But before, it's like if their only option with that was a 20-minute or a one-hour class at the gym, they're still going to be sitting on the couch. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I think the people that are new to exercise and on their, their movement health journey need to be met where they're at. And when we give them these big, huge, intense workouts right off the bat, I mean, there's no quicker way to lose people than with something that's so intimidating and so challenging and to give them something that's really, that feels doable for them, that they yeah. can do in their house, it's accessible and it's small. And it's like you said, that nudge, that's yeah. where we meet people and we can grow them from there, but we have yes. to, to meet them at the place they're at right now and make things feel doable. That's how you develop health habits. Well, and I also like the idea of kind of what is the minimal effective dose, mm -hmm. right? If, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll go to the gym, you see twice a week and I, when I'm there for probably close to an hour, but I'm not doing any kind of like crazy sets. It's like I hit machines there. I may do a little bit of free weight stuff, but it's like, I don't want to freak anybody out. I believe in progressive overload, but I also just think in the idea of if you push your body door, it's I'm having a real hard time with this, right? In other words, you don't have to take it to failure. You just have to take it to, this is hard. It's okay. Your body gets the message. It's like, all right, if nothing else, I need to keep that muscle, right? Especially if you're doing it in an environment of adequate protein intake. And that's been another big part of my messaging is that we have gotten sold the wrong idea around what it takes to be healthy. And it's, I cringe when I see this whole, well, meat is bad, but you should be eating all this other stuff instead. It's, we've thrived on this diet long before the kind of the food industry came in and started moving it towards stuff that's profitable for them but not necessarily healthy for us or for the environment. Most adults are drastically under eating protein. And it's right. like when you start, because I all have a post a picture of some food and somebody's, oh, that's way too much meat. It's like, no, actually that's about 40 grams of protein. My target for the day is somewhere between 150 and 180 grams. And you too, would, you know, if your doctor is telling you to stay away from that, you might want to check with another doc. So a lot of that thinking has changed. It's kind of like the knees over toes stuff. It's the thinking has changed and it's, and I've done the whole keto routine, but it's like, my thing now is just, I just want to focus on eating real food. And it's, that is something that my great grandparents would recognize. And so, Jim, you said that you had gotten certified as a, was it, is it the Primal Health Coach certification? So and... I'm a, pri a Primal Health Coach, and then I did the NASM, okay. the, the NAC, what is it, National, National Academy, Academy of Sports, Sports Medicine. Medicine. Yeah, I'm a personal like... trainer through there. Okay. When you got certified, what was your intent with that? Did you think you were going to go into training, or was it more for your own information? I never wanted to tell somebody something that, in other words, 
If I ever gave anybody exercise advice, I wanted to make sure that it was grounded in science, basically. So it's like, I took it more for my own edification. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. I like it. I, but it wasn't like it was any kind of a real aha moment with them. They got into a lot of, I don't know if you're familiar with NASM's mm -hmm. like curriculum. But, Not their curriculum, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, I know it's a real well-regarded certification. I felt like they got a whole lot more into the physiology, which without is, I think that it's lacking in some of the mechanical components. I, that's just kind of my opinion. It's yeah, I think it's great. And if you're doing it in gym context, you're going to be able to kind of get all those cycles, but like kind of fully understanding the muscle structure. It, mm -hmm. to me is not as helpful as, all right, here's what the cueing should be on this exercise. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's like the real world application. There's like understanding the physiology, the biomechanics, yeah. but then there's like the, how do you convey that information to somebody that you're coaching and training? And that's yeah. like art and finesse. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. So what was the primal health certification? What did you learn in that one? So really what it did is it kind of looked at what are the things we're doing now that are at real at odds with our biology, right? Was it nutrition and movement related? Yeah, it was more in terms of what are the things that you can do that are complementary to our genetic makeup, right? So in other words, it, it talks, started talking about things like sleep before a lot of people were talking about sleep. Okay. It was talking about it, that you, you see so many people doing what system would refer to as chronic cardio, where they're doing kind of high cardio output without ever reaching the kind of the zone six, like full out sprint. You are just keeping somebody in this kind of heightened um, cortisol level with, without building a big aerobic base. Mm -hmm. So from an evolutionary standpoint, what do we optimize for? What we're optimized for is being able to cover long distances without being overly fatigued. So we could walk forever. If you didn't know where your next meal was going to come from, you are going to go sprinting after something because you're liable to run out of gas before you get there. You were going to walk most of where you were going to go. And then like when it, in fact, who was the guy born to run? The guy that did this, he followed the Indians in Mexico and he kind of looked at that. And then he actually went on one of those hunts. And what he talked about is because of the adaptation of language, we could hunt in tribes and we would literally walk animals to death. Right. And, yeah. but what they would see is that most of these guys would be walking maybe a light jog every once in a while and right at the last moment you might have to do a bit of a sprint but mm -hmm. and that was kind of what Sisson's approach was is, is okay let's look at movement patterns and activities that support us the kind of the way that we're optimized and let's look at what are things people are doing that is like the worst possible thing that we could be doing it, you look at the diets and the food options now with so many, so much of stuff that's out there and it's all based around carbohydrates. So it's kind of, it's the kind of the cruelest thing you could do to somebody is to go, 
okay, yeah, you're you're gonna there the argument about you can lose weight on a Twinkie diet or whatever. It's like, sure you can. It's but it's absolutely gonna undermine you from a health standpoint. So it's it's just kind of looking at what are things that people can do that will kind of move them in the direction that they want to go. And what are some things that we need to try to steer people away from that we've just kind of accepted as fact? That's yeah. interesting. I didn't know a whole lot about that certification. I've heard of it, but I wasn't really sure all the things that they delved into that with that. You have those certifications. Are you coaching and training people? Just a handful. I mean, because it's that's something that I said when I started doing the social media posts, that was kind of what I just like, all right, I want to get this to where I got it figured out a little bit. And there is no figuring it out. Cause as soon as you think you kind of have a handle on it, what they'll change an algorithm or something. And all of a sudden you're starting all over again. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, I'm, I probably over the next year will start to do a few coaching clients, but it's something that I haven't promoted or even publicized out there at all. Okay. So is your job right now mostly just posting on Instagram and TikTok? It is. It, this, I mean, what I, what I've just said for 2024 is I need to kind of let the world know what I'm doing because it's, I haven't done any kind of media outreach or anything along those lines. And it's what I realize is I kind of owe it to the people out there that I'm having an impact on to let more folks know. Hey, this is, this is something that can help you. I started doing, it was during last year, I started doing a weekly video newsletter. That's mm -hmm. the, a friendly nudge. Mm -hmm. So every week that is, it's a series of exercises and it's a food video that my, my goal with it is to help people become more intuitive cooks. Because it's like part of my coaching, it's, it, if I'm coaching somebody one-on-one, it's like we kind of start wherever you are. It's like, all right, if you're struggling with cooking, I'll go on a virtual visit with you to the grocery store and we'll go through that. We'll cook meals together. We'll get exercises started for you, right? So in other words, yeah. kind of, it's not a one size fits all. It's all right, where are you? What are you trying to get done? Sounds like you're going to, you want to get more into coaching this year, maybe doing some more of that. And more, the thing I like about the newsletter is that there it is something that there's enough kind of guidance in it to get, get somebody started without trying to do a big, trying to do a big group setup to me is kind of difficult because everybody's coming at it from different starting points. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any other future plans for your Instagram account or for this thing that you've started? I, it's some, I, I frequently will get people asking for a series. Like when I own a friendly nudge, there's usually 10 to 12 like exercise snacks videos there. So at some point I may do like a full, here's a seven minute or an eight minute workout from beginning to end. Hmm. But I just, I kind of. I'm a little hesitant to get away from what seemed to have worked for the majority of the folks consuming this, which is, Hey, here's, here's 10 exercises. Do these over the course of the next week, spread them out throughout each day instead of, all right, here's your 10 minute exercise block to do. 
which what percentage of them are going to end up doing that. Whereas what I keep hearing is, Hey, every day I look for your thing. I start, I do that. Um, all of the ones I can do. Yeah. I love that. I mean, like you said, it doesn't take very much just to get people started and moving in different ways. They haven't moved before. It, it opens up new worlds to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you, Jim? So a balanced you is the, is my website. And it's typically what I worry they'll find me on most social media. I think on Twitter, it's for a balance, the nu the number four, and then a balanced you. But most of the time, if you look up Jim Brown, a balanced you, it pops up. Yeah, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. All of it. Okay, great. Yeah. I have to tell you, the way I found you was a colleague, the phone with a colleague, and she goes, Aaron, you have to check out this TikTok account it's called a balanced you. And so I looked it up. She said, you need to get this guy on your podcast. <laughs> uh, so I looked you up. I saw it on. And she's like, you can see his plowing. Um, and I've been following you now for a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is this good stuff. I love people that are showing new possibilities of ways to move that are accessible and getting people down onto the floor and challenging balance and ways that don't feel huge and intimidating. And people can see themselves in you. Um, I love what you're doing. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't already discussed in regards to the work that you're doing or anything else that you want people to know about your work? I don't think so. I guess I'm going to ask you the question now. So what got you doing the podcast? And like you also coach people as well, correct? I train and teach um, adults. Like most of them are over 75. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got into doing the podcast because I saw there are so many people doing really cool work in this field of getting people moving and having fun and socially engaged through exercise. And I also wanted to use it as a way to encourage people to think of getting into movement, exercise, promoting health as a second act career. Okay. There, there is so much need for people that are this mature adult population to see what is possible later in life when they see people their own age working at a higher level, challenging themselves. I think it's more inspiring than seeing a younger person do it. And you're coming to the table with all of these life experiences, work experiences, you have the ability factor, these social skills that I think are hugely valuable in this field. And I found that there's not enough of that um, mature population working in the field. And I want to recruit them to this okay. field. I think there's a lot of possibility. I mean, it could sure. be it could be like yourself. You could have an Instagram account. You could start a club. You could be a personal trainer. You could teach dance. Any ways that we can keep people moving and yeah. having fun and enjoying life. I always say having physical abilities is, is a currency in my yeah. mind. And it gives you an amount of freedom, kind of like money does. And uh, we can give that to people and we can do it in multiple ways. I, yeah. It's worth promoting and it's worth highlighting to people that are doing this. So that was my intent with the podcast. And I've loved everybody I've met like yourself. I love seeing all the different ways people are doing this. It doesn't have to be personal training. It can be a multiple ways yeah. of promoting this. Um, so that was my intent with the podcast. Yeah. Well, I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I've loved having you on, Jim. This has been super fun. I had a blaster and I really appreciate the invite and the time. If you're interested in exploring a second act career in health and fitness, 
sign up for the Second Act Fit Pros newsletter. I provide information on online events I host and opportunities to connect with current health and fitness professionals, as well as those who are aspiring to work in the field. A link to sign up for the newsletter can be found in the show description.